from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and next week this week, the Super Show's Super Friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Myler, that's McDowell. Over there is Price, and we are firing up episode 532 of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We are brought to you by the best and easiest place to play fantasy football. That's Underdog Fantasy. Dot com. So close, so close we can taste it, guys. Football is just mm. days away, really hours away by the time those that are listening right now hear this. Maybe we've we've already kicked off the season by the time some people are listening in. Uh, Ryan, just, just counting the minutes till kickoff on Thursday night. Yes, yeah, the next couple days cannot, uh, cannot go fast enough. I still have a couple of drafts to sneak in. Uh, the three of us have a live draft coming up uh before kickoff on thursday so yeah i'm ready for it all matt i'm sure you're sharing a brain with us on this it is it's just like the most exciting part of the year right we're, we're excited through draft season and stuff that's exciting but when real games are about to fire up that's where it's at yeah i'm so excited and uh, i was talking to ryan a little bit before recording i might get a chance to uh, to watch the opening night game on Thursday with one of our friends and former writers, Brian Malone. Oh, that'd be cool. He's going to be yeah. in town for some work or something, so it'll be fun. Yeah, that would be a good time for sure. We get such a great kickoff game as well with the Bills and Rams clashing there in Los Angeles. Of course, Ozzy's playing that halftime show. I think it's going to be an epic night and lots and lots of fantasy points for all our Dynasty rosters as well. Great show again this week. We're going to talk about some injuries and some news that's happening leading up to that opening night. We have another sleeper stash of the week to talk about. Second straight week playing set the line. We were talking before the show. That might become a regular thing. We had a lot of fun with that. Also got some feedback online uh, social media about that. Uh, people kind of like that. We're answering Twitter questions. We're talking potential early season buys. There's oh, there's so much to get to. The Startup. Yeah, I don't think we can narrow down just one item this week with it leading up to week one. We have to pick a, a handful of things to talk about. And we're going to start... With the Super Bowl champs, Rams quarterback Matthew Stafford, Ryan, he said that elbow elbow injury, well, they say that could be an issue all season. They've been kind of hee-hawing around it. They're not giving us specifics. McVay's kind of become one of them coaches that we we get a little frustrated with from time to time. He'll give us all the details one time and then absolutely nothing the next. I'm not sure what to think of the Stafford injury. I'm hoping we can depend on him, though. 
Yeah, same here. I'm I'm not sure what to think either. We're definitely getting some mixed signals on that. Um, McVeigh sounds like everything's good to go. Beat writers not quite as confident. So uh, I, I guess it comes down to who you believe on that one. Um, yeah, this this could be a, a tough situation because uh, there's there's so many players that are tied to Matthew Stafford. Obviously, Cooper Cup and and Allen Robinson key among them. Uh, but this this is a big one, and unfortunately, sounds like something we might have to uh, be watching out for for the next four months or so. Yeah, and keeping it with the Rams, Matt, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, according to McVay, they're, quote, good to go. But Akers, Akers gives me mixed feelings as far as the beginning of the season. Henderson seems more likely to be the healthier of the two or the most likely to be productive early on. That might be just a gut feeling for me, and maybe I have it all wrong. But I, I'm not loving that backfield right now in L.A. I, I don't think you do. I mean, it's it's scary to be invested in Acres right now, I think. Uh, and we know that Henderson, at least in the past, has not really been able to uh, you know stand up to a full kind of workload. Uh, you know, I think super talented, and he was, was producing like a running back one during stretches last season, but he just wore down, and that seems to be – the story with him. So I didn't put him as my, my sleeper stash of the week, uh, but I did consider putting Kyron Williams in there. You know, it's somebody who we liked quite a bit uh, before the combine and then the combine hit. And then he basically, his drag stock basically died and he broke his foot. Um, but it sounds like he's been, you know, on the track for practicing again. And we have these two backs that, you know, cam makers with the Achilles, uh, you know, hopefully it goes well, but there's certainly a, a case where it doesn't. And then if Henderson wears down again, I think there's a, definitely a scenario where Kyron Williams might get on the field, especially with that pass catching ability and, and, and that pass blocking ability, especially like with Matthew Stafford, um, you know, with that ailing, uh, ailing elbow like you guys were talking about. So um, he's somebody I would be keeping my eye on in this situation. Yeah, don't be taking my sleeper stash of the week next week after Kyron Williams <laughs> runs uh, four, five, six times for four and a half yards a carry or something like that. Let's move over to Tampa Bay. Chris Godwin, Ryan, uh, he, he's practicing, but Coach Bowles down there in Tampa Bay says the team's not getting our hopes up for the wide receiver to, to play in week one. I know I'm heavily invested in Chris Godwin across my dynasty teams on underdog as well he's a guy that i was targeting especially early in the offseason when that adp was so low godwin is one of my favorite players to watch because he can get open out of the slot like like only a few players in the nfl can but i'm concerned that we're going to miss him for the first couple of weeks after what we're hearing out of tampa yeah, this sounds like that will be the case. And there, there's a couple of guys in this same situation with those late season ACL injuries from last year. And, and I think the the good news for Godwin and, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about a couple of these other guys as well, is that they avoided the pup list. So, you know, they're they're not going to miss uh, and, and they avoided uh, short term IR as well. So we have to assume they're going to be back within the first four weeks. Uh but I'm I'm not counting on Chris Godwin uh, playing in week one, and it doesn't sound like the Bucks are either. 
Yeah, dynasty owners shouldn't be doing that as well. Staying in Florida with another wide receiver, Matt. Jalen Waddle scared a lot of dynasty managers over the last month or so, missing a lot of practice. There was very, very limited information about what was going on there with the second-year receiver. But head coach Mike McDaniel used a whole bunch of varies when when (laughs) describing how confident he would be in the wide receiver playing in week one. uh, Waddle practiced on Monday as well. So it seems like everything's pointing up for Waddle. Uh, you counting on him in week one? Maybe one, two, va- many varies there to, to really yeah. feel confident, you know? Um, no, I don't know. It seems like we just going to have to monitor him throughout the week. I think he's probably playing in week one. They're going to want to get this offense rolling. Uh, and I think he has the best rapport with the quarterback. So if he's if he's able to play, he's going to be out there and just watch the Patriots practice reports. Speaking sometimes, of pass catcher, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, uh, sorry I, was, I just had to throw this in. You know, sometimes the NFL feels like uh, it feels like a soap opera, right? Like the, <laughs> there, there's characters out there, and, totally. and so many things that are that are unbelievable. Mike McDaniel is, is my new favorite character. He is my favorite person <laughs> in the NFL right now. I love listening <laughs> to his interviews. He's a wild man, and uh, yeah, just another example. Very, very, very confident that Jalen Waddle will play this week. He's got a he's a character for sure. He's got a unique personality, and it shows through in those interviews for sure. Uh, speaking of another pass catcher that is practicing but whose week one status is up in the air, Darren Waller, Ryan, out there in Las Vegas, he's practicing once again. But for about a month there, there wasn't a lot of information. I think he missed a a preseason game because he wanted to go to a WNBA basketball game. And that kind of ruffled some feathers. I, you know, I, I don't really know what to expect out of Waller. I've gone up and down whether I wanted to invest in him for this coming season, considering all the other targets there in Vegas, the quarterback situation, the new offense. All that stuff makes me a little bit iffy when you put in this, this kind of unique injury situation that we don't know enough about. That, that just muddies the water more. Well, he got a new agent recently, Drew Rosenhaus, if I remember correctly. So I think uh, I think if they can get a contract extension done in the next few days, uh, we'll see him on the field. And if not, we might not. It kind of feels like that's really what this situation is all about. Uh, so it is a it is a wait and see with Darren Waller. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers and their receiver core, uh, Matt. Alan Lazard and Christian Watson are both uncertain to play in week one. The Watson news isn't all that surprising. He missed a lot of training camp. Uh, Just recently got back on the field with the Packers in practice. Lazard, maybe a little bit more um, shocking. Maybe that's an an over-exaggeration. A lot of dynasty managers are expecting big things from Lazard, the number one receiver in Green Bay, or at least expected to be. What's your take on this situation with the Packers, Matt? I mean, signs continue to point to Romeo Dubs, right? I mean, it's clearly if, if both of these guys miss, there he's both he's going to have to get in there and, and be a big part of the offense. A, a tough divisional matchup against uh, a you know presumably improved Vikings offense uh, in, in Week One for the Packers, so they need all of their all their hands on deck. So look at, I mean, is is Randall Cobb leading the team in receptions this week? Maybe I don't think it's going to be yards. So maybe hopefully Tunyon can get in the end zone, but otherwise it looks like it really does look like dubs is going to be the playmaker 
uh, out there in the receiving game unless unless uh, obviously you got to get the running backs involved too but in terms of receivers it seems like Dubs is going to have to be the guy uh, very early which is probably not what was expected when they drafted him we um we haven't talked Packers receivers lately which is kind of a surprise with with you two around but um because <laughs> it's depressing I, uh, <laughs> well not since the last you, time Matt said I'm worried, Dan. <laughs> I've, I've steered away from it since then. So I, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I did put a poll out just to kind of uh, see see what the uh, thoughts were on the Packers wide receivers. Just which which do you prefer in the Dynasty League? Lazard, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs. Uh, very split vote, over 2,000 votes. Christian Watson was the leader, 43%. Uh, valued the highest uh, according to those who responded 35 percent for dubs and lazard was actually last with 21 percent. so a little little surprising for me i completely concur with those results though i think that's about right i've heard people okay. start calling him dobbs lately are we changing the name again is it dobbs is it dubs dan do you have any could you have i, the I heard a beat writer from nevada where he played college football say that she was corrected by him specifically that there it's more of an au sound so dobbs is Dog is the dogs. correct pronunciation <laughs> okay. which is kind of dis- depressing because getting dubs, dubs with dubs sounds, so cool. sounds good yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> let's go down to arizona guys zach ertz and rondale moore will quote be close for week one according to head coach cliff kingsbury ertz is called day-to-day um, Ertz is a guy I'm heavily invested in this year as well. Rondale Moore, not so much, although I've warmed up to him in recent weeks. The the little bit of news we're getting out of Arizona is they have high expectations for him once again this season. So he has been a little bit of a bargain this offseason on the trade market for dynasty players for sure. Uh, Ryan, if you had to, if you had to kind of take a quick gander into what's happening there in Arizona and what we should expect in week one. What would you tell dynasty players? I think we should expect a, a lot of uh, Hollywood Brown, which is why he's been one of my favorite targets uh, this, this off season. I mean, all the, the things that we're talking about here with Moore and Ertz, obviously those were, uh, we didn't, we didn't know those were coming uh, weeks and months ago, but uh, we have known for quite a while about the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. We know about, um, you know, of course, the loss of Chase Edmonds, who saw plenty of targets, and the loss of Christian Kirk as well. So uh, uh, this this Arizona offense is go- going to look a lot different, especially in the first six weeks of the season, than it did a year ago. And, and I think that's mostly good news for Hollywood Brown. Yeah, you're certainly – Certainly on the right track there. I'm a big, big fan of Hollywood as well, especially early in the season. How about Michael Gallup, Matt, down there in Dallas? Uh, maybe somewhat surprisingly not placed on IR, not placed on the pup list as well. Um, the Cowboys most likely are expect, for sure, are expecting him back in the first four weeks. Although we've, we've seen teams make mistakes on this in the past. You got to say that's a good sign for dynasty managers looking to gallop as a wide receiver two slash three uh, sooner rather than later. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, 
he's someone that I think has kind of fallen down the ranks that we weren't sure if he was going to play or not. Even though we got the, I think we got news early that it was looked like he was going to be available before uh, week six. Um, so, and now that's confirmed, you know, Tolbert had a lot of steam going in, but then he had some bad practices, uh, and some, some, you know, not, not, not as glowing reports as some of these other rookies have had. Um, so I think, I think it's, I think it's all systems go for Gallup. The concern with the Cowboys now really is, is the Tyron Smith injury. You know, that affects not only the running game, but the pass pass passing game as well. Um, so I, I mean, I think the, the Cowboys are like their offense just isn't looking as strong clearly as last year. And maybe, maybe not as strong as we think they even they are even at this point um with that with that injury to Tyron Smith but getting Gallup back out there I think will go a long way to getting uh Dak some more targets um so uh it's it's a it's a it's, it feels like a fragile offense right now doesn't it it certainly does it's it's one that I'm a little bit or maybe maybe a little bit as an understatement I'm concerned <laughs> about really and it it all centers around that offensive line Dak's going to have to get the ball out faster. They're not going to be able to set up that running game with Zeke and Tony Pollard like they have in the past. Um, we'll see. Jason Peters, I don't think he's the he's the answer at this point in his career, although he might be a Band-Aid in the short term. They're going to have to figure yeah. something out for sure. Uh, let's go to Jacksonville. James Robinson, it appears, Ryan, will be active on, on game day week one. Pretty surprising for a lot of dynasty managers. Expectations should be pretty low for the breakout star from the small school, James Robinson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, uh, of course, it's obviously good news for him uh, that he was able to get fully cleared and and be healthy enough to to be active. We'll see what the usage is like between he and and Travis Etienne. Um, But, I mean, we've seen mostly bad news from Marlon Mack. Uh, I mean, he was even cut from the Texans practice squad uh, after being cut earlier last week. We, we haven't seen Cam Akers certainly not yet make that successful return. So it, it feels like, you know, it feels like we're giving Robinson a little too much credit, assuming that he's all the way back to what he was before that injury um, this is this is still a player I, I I don't really want on my dynasty rosters. Irv Smith, Matt, is expected to play as well in Week One. Had that injury early in training camp. In two seasons with the Vikings, sixty-six catches, six hundred and seventy-six yards, and seven touchdowns. He's flashed some of that some of that seam stretching, big play, tight end type talent, and and certainly made some catches uh, in the middle of the field for the Vikings over his first couple years that has kept his ADP among tight ends right around that that fringe tight end one rank for his entire career right is this the year that he he really cranks it up and he becomes the guy that that we can all count on man I just I don't know is it I don't know if we just have have Irv Smith fatigue because I know we were all very excited about him but I have not been excited about him this season it seems like uh obviously the top two with with Thielen and Jefferson but KJ Osborne has been getting a ton of pub this offseason so if he fills that third receiving spot then um you know I think we're looking at another year of Irv where we're disappointing I'm sure he's gonna have a game here and there that'll be startable but when are you gonna know 
you know, you're not going to really know when that is. And if we're going to, you know, we've been comparing this new offense to the Rams offense all offseason with the new coaching staff there. And if we're going to say that Irv Smith is Tyler Higby, are we really that excited about that kind of role? I mean, Higby certainly has had his game, those multi-touchdown games that can, you know, put you over the top in a given week, but they're just feel so random. So if we're going to be getting these kind of performances, I'm not sure. I mean, Tyler Higby running uh, tight end 20 last year. You know, you you hope you get better than that with Irv Smith, but I'm probably staying away at the current price of of a, of a basically a, a tight end one at this point at that back half. Ryan Brian Robinson was placed on the NFI list, meaning he's going to miss the first four games at least. This seems like it could be something that lingers just a little bit. Not that that shouldn't be expected from dynasty managers, but just a reminder, really that that Brian Robinson is a good football player. He's going to get an opportunity at some point. We just have to wait for him to get on the field and really recover from this crazy injury. Yeah. And of course we talked about this one quite a bit last week. We, we mentioned at that point that it looked like he had avoided any type of uh, injury list. And, and ultimately that wasn't the case. So he will miss uh, at least the first month, as you said. And I mean, that's, that's good news for Antonio Gibson, and that's a player who who needed some good news uh, for his uh, for his fantasy managers, his dynasty managers. You know, one more chance over this this first month to uh, regain some of that dynasty value that he's lost uh, over the past six or seven months. A couple more notes before we get to our sleeper stash of the week. It appears Isaiah McKenzie will be ready to go on Thursday night. Maybe a breakout player early in the season, sitting at 173 and wide receiver 78 in our ADP. He could be moving up that list here in the next couple of weeks, might have a big role on Thursday night, but he did practice on Monday. Other names that we've been monitoring that are expected to play in week one, Kadarius Tony, Albert O uh, in Denver, and then Russell Gage, who had that injury as well. All look like they're going to be on the field. We'll see how effective they are when they're on the field. Uh, Matt. Why don't we get to the sleeper stash of the week? I covered one a couple weeks ago. Week two was Ryan. You get your first shot. Uh, Give us your sleeper stash of the week. Yeah, I went over to August Superflex ADP, and we want to take these players that are going after pick 200. Uh, So I went with with Sam Howell, who is currently 221 overall in our August Superflex ADP, quarterback 39. Uh, And this is a player who, you know, entering his junior season – coming off of that great sophomore season we were thinking about as one of the top quarterbacks to come off the board in the 2021 draft and that uh, excuse me the 2022 draft and that just didn't didn't happen it didn't didn't materialize and that's you know possibly because of this more disappointing I guess you can say it's a disappointing pointing junior season compared to what he did as a freshman and sophomore when he averaged 3,600 yards passing uh, 34 touchdowns only seven interceptions each of those seasons uh, and also rushed for 93 uh, rushed 93 times in uh, in each of those seasons Um, so in 2021 those numbers kind of dropped across the board except for the rushing uh, which doubled. He actually doubled that that average of 93 to 183 carries for 828 yards and 11 rushing touchdowns. Um, but his passing numbers weren't quite up to snuff compared to his first two seasons, right? Um, but so he kind of falls to the end of the to the first pick of the fifth round as the quarterback six. He went behind Bailey Zapp. Uh, you know, say 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 what you want about that. I'd probably say that Sam Al probably should have went ahead of Bailey Zappi. Um, but uh, so now he's only behind Oldie Wentz, and we know 
we know the story with Wentz. He has these hot streaks, but he certainly can completely blow up a team as he did with Indianapolis at the end of last season, prevented them from getting in to the playoffs. So uh, Sam Howell's been, you know, kind of had a little bit of a slow start his first two games in the preseason, 145 uh, passing yards, and but he did have three for 19 and two rushing touchdowns in that first game. And then the second game, only 122 yards and an interception. Uh, but then that third preseason game, they really let him really let him go and play most of that game. Uh, 280 yards, a touchdown, eight for 62 rushing, uh, 62% passing so far as a pro in, in all three preseason games combined. So I, I don't know. I feel like he's uh, somebody we should be adding, especially at that late 221 overall uh, kind of cost. I think that should be coming way up. Even if he doesn't see the field this season, that seems too low for someone like Sam Howell. So he's somebody I think we can stash in our rosters. You may get some play this season if Wentz tanks the team. Uh, and if not, I think you'll at least see him get uh, be in the conversation to compete for a starter in year two. I like that one for sure. So Sam Howell is your sleeper stash of the week. Of course, that's brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new dynasty league or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all of your leagues in one place. Hey guys, let's play a game. Yeah, I don't know if this is necessarily a game. We're kind of setting lines and uh, doing a little betting. Set the line is a betting game where each of us throw out a line on anything and the other two choose to over or under, uh, like we all like to do on those websites throughout the internet every single week. We're going to track our progress throughout the year. Last year, last week, guys, we did one on a, on a full season scale. That was a lot of fun. So this week, we thought we'd set some lines for week one. Matt, why don't you kick us off this week? For week one, I went with Christian Kirk over 50 receiving yards. So the line is 50.5. Who does Christian Kirk play, Matt? Christian Kirk plays. Give us some info here. Yeah, give us some details. You got to set it up a little bit. Christian Kirk plays the Washington Commanders, and uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just really confident what we've seen Kirk so far in the preseason and the one game he played. I, he was targeted like thir- I think he had like a 34 percent target share or something like that. Uh, so it seems like he is meshing pretty well with uh, with Trevor Lawrence. They gave him the giant contract that we all made fun of. Uh, and you know the the money is 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 ridiculous for what Christian Kirk has put on the field so far. Um, but when you look when you take away the contract, when you look at that, it seems to me that he's, I think he's locked in as the wide receiver one there. I don't think that's much of a stretch to say when you talk about you know thirty thirty three year old Marvin Jones. I think thirty maybe thirty four year old Marvin Jones. Um, they just sent away Lavisca Chenault, Zay Jones. You know I know he's he, he was your boy back in the day, Van, uh, Dan, but. And he's fine, but I don't think he's as talented as Christian Kirk. So uh, Christian Kirk's going to be playing from the slot. He's going to be playing all over the place on that field. So um, I'm confident that in week one he's going to come out and have a big line for certainly more than 50 yards. Ryan, was that enough to sell you on the over for Christian (laughs) Kirk, 50 and a half receiving yards? 
I mean, hearing the name and the number, I was already over. Uh, me on too. This. Yeah, this this is an over for sure. You made me um, sell for, for all that. You guys were already on the <laughs> give, give us the matchup, at least. You didn't have to sell it, but give us the matchup. Um, yeah, I, I think Christian Kirk, and, and you're right. I mean, he kind of became, you know, like a, a meme in the fantasy football world there for, for a little bit because the contract was so crazy. But, I mean, that doesn't change the fact that he's the – clear wide receiver one clear top option for trevor lawrence uh, we like the matchup against washington um yeah o- over the 50 and a half for me for sure yeah i'm taking the over as well and honestly i'm looking at overs for the season for christian kirk because it feels like these yeah. books and all these websites that are setting these lines aren't really giving him the the full love as that number one receiver as matt was kind of alluding to there's there's some names there but Kirk is the the cream that has is rising to the top there. If he stays healthy, he seems like a lock to to really fortify that receiving core and be that number one guy. Ryan, do you have your over under ready for us? I do, I do. Mine's mine's a little more depressing than that, unfortunately. Uh-oh. I'm uh, I'm looking at the New York Jets, and this is a player that I've been uh, I've been high on. I've been investing in. I've been drafting in in these underdog drafts that we've been doing, but I'm starting to get worried. Brees Hall uh, plays the Baltimore Ravens in week one. So already not a great matchup is not listed as the starter. That's Michael Carter. I'm going to set Brees Hall's fantasy points for week one at just seven and a half, seven and a half fantasy points week one against the Baltimore Ravens. What do you guys think? Oh, that's a tough one because when we think of the Baltimore Ravens defense, as fantasy players in general, we think, man, that's that's not a great matchup ever. You don't want any of you guys going to Baltimore and playing them. Uh, and then the Jets offense as a whole as well, that, that offensive line we mentioned, Dallas, the Jets have suffered some injuries as well across their offensive line. You, you mentioning Hall not listed as that number one tailback. We've all kind of taken that with a grain of salt and thought to ourselves, uh, that'll change, but I've bought into it for early in the season. And Hall may go streaming past it if he's able to get a little more passing game work than what he showed in the preseason and what has been indicated out of New York throughout training camp. I'm actually going to go with the under on this one. I'm not expecting big things from Brees Hall in week one. Yeah, I'm not either. Uh, I've been taking a lot of Michael Carter lately in some drafts uh, just for that early season. I think he's going to be much more involved. And I mean, it feels like a, it feels like a, doesn't it feel like a Michael Carter game? I know Brees Hall is a, is a receiving weapon as well, but Michael Carter seems to have that role and showed he was very good at it last year in, in college, of course. Um, so man, but seven and a half is solo. That's a really good line, Ryan. I'm going to say over just to be different, but it is not a confident over for sure. All right, so we got a little bit of differentiation there. That's uh, that's good to see I for like sure. It. I got the last one here, and you guys are going to have to bear with me as I explain mine. Uh, it might take just oh, a gosh. second. Last year, Chris Always Hogan scored the least PPR fantasy points of any NFL player that scored a touchdown in week one. He scored exactly eight PPR fantasy points. He had one catch for 10 yards and a touchdown on just one target. In fact, he played just 10 snaps. So the over-under is 7.99 PPR fantasy points for the lowest week one fantasy score of a player who scores a touchdown. 
Matt, do you want the over or the under 7.99 fantasy points? I missed the player. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Chris Hogan it, last it, year. It, any player, though. Any oh, player. The lowest scoring any, fantasy. It, the, the lowest scoring player that scores an NFL touchdown this week. So if you score a touchdown, you have to be under 7.99 fantasy points. Yep. Does anybody do that? And I, Nobody did I assume it last we're ta- year. We're talking offense, right? I mean. Yeah, offensive players. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. And skill players. That was only skill players as well. I didn't find any, like, tackles who caught a one-yard touchdown or anything like that. So if I want the over, then the lowest-scoring player that scored a touchdown has to be under 7.99. No, if you want the over, he would have to be over 7.99. Yes, I'm going to take the over. (laughs) Okay, man. Um, I'm an optimist. I will take, I'll take the under. All right. Uh, Ryan, that was a good bet. Last season in week one, no player scored less than eight points who scored a touchdown. But it happened every single week after that. Oh, Literally, nice. 17 out of 18 weeks last year, at least one player scored less than eight points with a touchdown in the game. An eye-popping seven times in week 13, 40 times in the season it happened last year. So talking about, like, fantasy scores that hurt us as dynasty players, it happened 40 times. There were a lot of names on that list that made you shake your head and say, oh, yeah, I remember him scoring that touchdown. That should have been my guy. 29 times it happened with a receiving touchdown, 11 times with a rushing touchdown. So good chances that you you come out ahead there, Ryan. Like like one fullback from the one for yeah. a touchdown. It, that that's it. That's all it takes. Or or a backup touchdown or tight end who scores who catches one pass, but it's a one yard touchdown. That's only seven point one points. And uh, and we saw a lot of those. There were there were multiple players with either six point zero fantasy points or five point nine fantasy points in a week where they scored a touchdown. It was crazy. So that is our set the line game. I want to give a quick shout out to our guy, David Glitton. He's at fantasy forecaster. That's at fantasy F O R E C S T R. He created a new group on manifold markets. If you're not familiar with that, go check it out uh, to track our let's set the line game. Uh, So myself, Ryan and Matt will do it every single week. We hope David continues to put these out on Twitter for everybody to vote on. He did it last week with our season long ones. Go check it out again. David Glidden fantasy forecaster on Twitter. Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. Yeah, we got a couple of questions this week, guys, a couple things we need to talk about really. Um, we, you know, all of us are on Twitter and we, we answer questions that are delivered directly to us. Sometimes we like to take some of those or, or we'll ask for some that, that really, really are, are good for everybody in the, in the, uh, in our listenership. So let's start with, um, the sheaf 99 on Twitter. Ryan, you start us off here. What's your outlook for Tua? I was offered Tannehill in a 23 first, mid to late, for Tua. I have Jackson, Brady, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Tua, of course, and Marcus Mariota. It is a strong contender, of course. It is super flex. First of all, outlook for Tua. What are what are your expectations? 
Well, they're, they're, I'm still hesitant to to push him up uh, into you know that that weekly quarterback one tier. Um, I am excited. I mean, I've already talked about my love for for the head coach there, so I'm excited to see how that plays out. I think that's going to be good news for Tua uh, and and the entire offense. Obviously, bringing in Tyree Kill is good news. So I think we see an improved to uh from a from a fantasy standpoint but i don't think he's i don't think he's ever going to reach that uh you know that stud level a, a weekly starter or or a top 10 dynasty quarterback and looking at this specific offer that that this listener got uh Tannehill in a 23 first i'm i'm taking that for sure he's got some nice quarterback depth he's got lamar and brady locked in and as his starters would have Tannehill and Mariota uh, as backups, short-term assets, but this presumably would give him a couple of first-rounders in that stacked class next year. I'm making this deal. Yeah, I, I thought I'd make the deal as well. The one factor that, that kind of crept into my mind, Matt, maybe it did for you as well, is that if if this is a presumed mid-to-late-round pick and you're a contender – you might be sending Tua and all those fantasy points that he spreads out to Waddle and Hill to your main competition for that title. So usually I don't I don't trade with that type of fear, but that's something to consider when you're when you're helping a team out, especially if they don't have a quarterback one or excuse me a quarterback two in a super flex. If you if you hand that guy or gal the quarterback two that really sets themselves up for a title run. That could be damning for your chances at, at getting that championship this year. Yeah, that's where my my mind went uh, as well, Dan, because this team presumably needs a quarterback, even if it's a quarterback three for that guy, for, for the team you're sending them to. You know, if they have an injury, now they've got the, the immediate fill-in. And while I agree with Ryan that Tua is probably not going to be a top five dynasty quarterback in his entire career. I do think he's a little bit underpriced at, at quarterback 15. I think he could, could move up into that fringe quarterback uh, one range, um, you know, ahead of guys like Stafford. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with, with Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, I, I, so it may, maybe, maybe Russell Wilson doesn't work out. Maybe Trey Lance doesn't work out. So I, I think there's room for him to increase. I mean, you can't deny the weapons that he had. You said it with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Just like, are they the fastest team in the league now? I mean, I, I don't know that that's 100% true, but it sure seems like it. And we were making fun of Tua for that 53-yard pass to, to Tyreek that was a little bit underthrown, and he probably could have stored if it was a, a little bit, thrown a little bit farther but you know what he, he completed a 53 yard pass so uh to to the one of the fastest receivers in the league so um i, I i'm optimistic about what he's going to do this season i i do worry about making another contender stronger i also agree that the 23 first is very enticing to grab a couple of those but if you're sitting there with two late firsts uh next year and and you lose the title are you going to be are you going to be happy with that i'm not I'm not sure. Uh, and, you know, Brady's pro- presumably going to be gone next year. Mariota's probably not a starter next year. So entering next season, not even thinking about the championship game, now we're looking at Jackson and, you know, probably a rookie that hopefully falls to you in the 23 class. Um, or you're going to be trading away that first that you just traded away to a four uh, to, to acquire a different veteran quarterback, right? So I, I think there are are scary situations that could emerge from this trade, but I do think the value is right. So if, if you're confident that you're still the best team in the league after making this trade and you haven't made that other team stronger, then absolutely I'd make that. Because Tannehill, you know, Tannehill also might not be a starter next year. 
All good points. So officially, you running that team? You you taking the trade or not? I, I'm I'm taking it. Yeah, I'm afraid of it. All three are I'm afraid of it, but I'm taking it. Yeah, there, there's reason to have a little bit of fear for sure. Tua still has that upside that we we thought he had coming out of Alabama. Let's move on to our second question. This one's from at Floor Killer. Let's kill those floors. I'm, I'm, maybe an installer of floors. I, I'm not sure what's going on there, but. Uh, this is a fun question for us as commissioners. How are some cons- some construction? Excuse me, constructive ways to encourage encourage trading with league mates. I have a few leagues where trades almost never go down. Oh, that's no fun. Trade offers are sent, often ignored or declined with no counter, and rarely received. So, Ryan, we all have dealt with this in the past. First thing I would say is if you love trades and these guys aren't trading, find another league that does do a lot of trades where it's a big part of, of the guys uh, that are that are involved. If you're trying to change a league, though, that is an uphill climb. It really is. And um, <clears throat> I, I don't think I, I don't think I have a great answer for this one. Uh, I've not found a way to um, when you're talking about an existing league that is already filled with. Uh, with dynasty managers who aren't really interested in trading, I haven't found a way to change that. Unfortunately, I I have tried in some of my leagues to um, require trading or at least require trade offers to be sent uh, required use of the trade block. Those things haven't really worked either. So for me, it really comes down to the group of managers that you have in your leagues and, uh, yeah, it just seems like some are, are more active and more interested in trading than others. I know our, our, our buddy Russ Fisher runs those trade addicts leagues, uh, and, and they, as far as I can tell, live up to their name with tons of trades. So uh, if, if that's really what you're interested in, you want to be in an active league with lots of trades, uh, hit up Russ and see if you can get in the next one of those, probably probably next offseason. Yeah, that, yeah this is, that's really this is a, good advice. Matt, what about you? This is a tough question. We And I, I mean, I, we, you get it a lot. It's just, it depends on the type of league we're talking about here. I wish we had some more information about that. You know, if this is like one of those friends leagues that where they're probably not paying attention much until we get to September, late, late August, September, then they're probably just not going to do any trading in the off season. So maybe when you get close to the season, they're more receptive. Uh, if it's a league where an internet league where you don't know most of the people, one of my MOs is to send messages to, to people and, and kind of have some kind of work relationship with every single person in the league you know even if it's if it's not to send a trade offer it's just be like you know hey how's it going how do you feel about your team you know like you know you, there's there's ways to start spark up conversation and you know if you can fit a deal into those kind of conversations then that will often work out but like ryan said the force trading of the, the like that just kind of that's just stuff doesn't really work so find a new league have or have conversations with the uh, other people before you send those offers because a lot of times some people just don't like getting trade offers out of the blue uh, it, there's all kinds of different traders uh, out there that that you know trade by sending a first first and best offer by sending a, a bait offer and trying to get a counter back all, there's, there's just a million ways to trade and you got to figure out what those people like and uh, how to how to how to acquire the players on their roster i guess i guess the the biggest piece of advice i'd add to that is to Try to continue to lead by example, send yeah. lots of offers, send those emails ahead of t- time, maybe even get a get a phone number and text that guy, make it a little bit more personable um, and open that line of communication. It is a, like I said, uphill climb for sure. 
Um, got a few questions about what we're doing to to get ready for the season. Last one we're going to cover here. Ryan, is there something you're spending a lot of time on right now? Something you're, you're doing a lot either as a commish or on the teams you're running? What are you doing in these last few days leading up to the kickoff? Yeah, a lot, a lot of things. It feels like uh, feels like a little bit of pressure in these last uh, 48, 72 hours to get everything done. Yeah, as a commish, uh, making sure waivers are set up. You know, you start that weekly waiver run. Um, each week you want to have that set up prior to the games kicking off. Um, from from my own teams, just setting, getting those lineups set. Uh, in, yeah. in most of my leagues, I've already done that. Uh, I try to do that super early and uh, have a good feel for what my team needs might be if I do want to make any last-minute trades. Uh, but making sure those are all set. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I felt, I felt like there was one more thing that I, it's, it, I've kind of lost it, I think. But, um, yeah, really really just making sure those, those leagues are ready to go. Yeah, that, that stuff's all important. I'm doing a lot of the same things. Um, the commish side of it is a little bit different because you feel the pressure of the other 12 managers, uh, that everything has to be just right. From a team standpoint, you, you setting the lineup is very important. Making sure you're making use of every roster spot is important. If you got IR guys, move them over and find yep. the last guy yep. in your roster. Do those types of things. But the roster, uh, setting the lineup is important. Matt, is there something specific for you that you're doing? Yeah, I'm trying to get in as many of those best ball mania three drafts as I can right now. We spoke about a player. A that, player that was earlier. it. That's, that was the yeah, thing I the forgot. Thing. Yeah, that's, that is a good one. Uh, we've all been playing in them. And, oh man, they're just they're kind of too much fun. They're addictive for sure. Yeah, we spoke about a player earlier, Micah Gallup. I've been getting a lot of him late. I got him in the 12th round. Um in a, in a wow. recent draft and that was after uh, i don't know how you guys draft in this typically i'm very wide receiver heavy especially early but the last couple of weeks i've been you know playing with going running back heavy earlier and i got i got a start of um i think it was from the 10th spot of uh deandre swift saquon barkley and then travis Etienne right off the top and we're able to get mm. receivers like gallup that late where i think that they're going to be contributing much more much higher than at that 12th round level you know probably a starter at some point uh, for that team. So, so yeah, I've been trying to get in these drafts as much as possible, continuing to kind of take the pulse of the community, how they feel about these players, because even though it's redraft, you know, we're in redraft season now for dynasty. So you take the pulse of the community yeah. on these players and you use that information to uh, buy and sell players in dynasty. So I got to pick your guys's brains just a little bit on it. Cause I'm still doing these drafts too. And in fact, I'm hoping to get in one tonight after we record, I, you know, you mentioned that three running backs at the beginning. I haven't really tried that, but, you know, the wide receivers have been slipping just a little bit farther as of late. Um, people are pushing those running backs up a little bit, especially those guys that we used to be able to get in round 11 and round 12. Those guys have become six, seven, eight round pit. We're talking about the Damian Pierces of yeah. the world. So, um you you say you kind of like that strategy, the, the going with the running backs early, and then you can you can pretty much ignore the position until way late if you want. Yeah, exactly. So if you, and that's exactly why I started doing it lately is because with all of these, you know, 
I don't want to say questionable talents, but maybe questionable value on on those kind of talents getting pushed up. And those players, like you said, that we want to grab late uh, to kind of fill out the, you know, you, you get that, stud, that hero running back, the stud running back up top, and then you can kind of play committee with that second spot. But with the way these guys have been getting pushed up, that has been getting more and it's more expensive to do. So if that's the case, you might as well get these guys early, the, the, the true studs early, uh, and then backfill the wide receiver position. So that's kind of what I've been doing the last week. You know, we started the the show with these injury updates for week one and and a lot of big names. You know, you mentioned Michael Gallup there, Matt, but I mean, Godwin and and Waddle and um, and Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. We didn't even talk about, but he's another one. Um, And it's really funny. We we certainly do this in in redraft and and with uh, with the underdog drafts. But I think the same thing happens in Dynasty as well, that. Uh, there's so much focus on will they be ready for week one? Will they play in week one that, it, you know, we worry more about that week from an injury standpoint than we do really any other week. And and there's a bigger discount to be had on on these players and uh, especially in Dynasty. But we see it in in the in underdog as well with, you know, guys like. Chris Godwin falling to, you know, to round four or five. And, and that's a player that probably should be a, a late second or third round pick if, if he's fully healthy. And I just think the discount on those, those types of players who are still going to end up playing 14, you know, maybe 15 games if they're lucky uh, um, is, is, is too great. So I really like, uh, I really like targeting some of those guys in these late later drafts, especially yeah, since, the money is all one on those late. That's where the money is one is in those late seasons. So the le- the early season is much less important. Uh, so and, and and for underdog drafts specifically, and I don't know if it's just just because I'm a I'm primarily a dynasty player, but I've been drafting a, maybe too many rookies on some of these teams yeah. <laughs> because of that the fact that the money is going to come late, and we've seen that these rookies when they're when they're going to start producing typically happens in the second half of their rookie season, kind of like Amon Ross St. Brown last last season. So. Mm. Um, we got to get on to our final segment, but the last thing I'll say about getting set for the season, like all those little goofy things that we might forget about in the off season, not putting Thursday night players in your position spots, move them into the flex. If you, if you can uh, make sure to check your waiver wire and make those, make those moves, uh, get them in before the deadline. All those little things matter so much. And we need reminded of those for sure. So um, more than anything, uh, I'd say the biggest advice at this time of, of year is, is just get ready for the, the long haul. It's going to be so much fun. Dynasty rankings. Yeah, we got a few minutes left, guys. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about some players who could lose some value, Matt, and then potentially become early season buys for us because of a questionable start or, or maybe, maybe even a poor start. Are, you went through uh, rankings and and uh, looked at ADP and and started looking at this early season NFL schedule, and there were a few teams that really jumped off to you. If there's one team that you, that you thought maybe maybe these guys could create a window for dynasty managers to get some value in week two or three, who are those? What team is that? Yeah, there's a, there's a few teams that I think fit this bill, uh, but the Jets are the ones that really really kind of stick out to me uh, and. I hate myself already for taking the over on, on Ryan set the line bet of seven and a half points over for Brees Hall, because he's, he was like the, the, the thing, the, the player that kind of 
like sent me on this little path of, of research. Uh, the Jets' first six of their first nine games are against top 10 pass defenses. Uh, but the good thing about the Jets uh, is that their fantasy playoff schedule in week 15 to 6, 17 is fantastic. It's the Lions, Jags, and the Seahawks. You know, these, these things change. Uh, strength of schedule is, is a great tool, but we know that the NFL works in chunks, right? They will, just because we see the strength of schedule in week one doesn't mean that those same teams are going to be good uh, that we thought were going to be good defensively, uh, or, or even in week two, let alone week 15 and 17. So to the Lions, the Jags, Seahawks, maybe they're all uh, looking really great by the time we get to that late part of the season. But right now, uh, the Jets look like they're going to struggle early on, which to me represents a buying opportunity for some of these players that we like so much in Dynasty, whether it's Brees Hall or, or Michael Carter or, or the rookie Garrett Wilson, who has been pushed down a little bit with some of the Zach Wilson news, and Elijah Moore, who we loved after his rookie season and uh, might struggle early against these top pass defenses. So uh, they're a team specifically that I'm going to be looking at and you know, say week three, four, five, somewhere in that range after they've had a few bad games um, to maybe scoop some value on. We mentioned the offensive line being a problem for the Jets. There, there's, there's more than that as an issue as well. And they do have a lot of mouths to feed. That's not a horrible problem to have, I guess. But, but Flacco's going to be under center, and he could, he could cover up some of those problems against good defenses. The veteran should be able to distribute the ball a little bit. Um, I have a hard problem calling those rookies specifically for the Jets potential buys, just because Matt they. You know, these guys who, who, these dynasty managers that drafted them, they invested so much. Is there another team maybe a little farther down that, that isn't, isn't so young that dynasty managers are, are, are going to be so smitten with these guys still? Another team that maybe you would, you would recommend? Yes, but also I would say for those rookies real quick on the Jets, it's more that they, we talk about it all the time, is that the discount is that they become available. You know, Brees sure. Hall right now is the 101. Nobody's going to trade. Uh, him away if you spent that right now for a decrease uh, thing but maybe uh, maybe he's available after some struggles Um, the next team on my list was the Dolphins they open with the Pats the the Patriots the Bills and the Bengals you know so two tough divisional matchups against the Pats and the Bills and then they follow up with the Bengals and the Bills and the Bengals are both top 10 pass defenses so uh, we talked about two a little bit earlier. You know, maybe he struggles a little bit early. May, uh, maybe, um, you know, Waddle and, and Tyreek struggle a little bit early. So those guys I'd be looking to target um, after the first few games of the season. Ryan, I know you're you're invested in some Dolphins, right? Uh, Tyreek is on so many Ryan MC23 rosters. Beats by yeah. Gray, you see Tyreek <laughs> on all of them. Um, it's going to be hard to get a discount on Tyreek, but maybe and maybe even Waddle as well. But perhaps a secondary option there, maybe even Tua. We, we just talked about him. Those those guys could become available with that opening schedule that Matt talked about. Yeah, I think Tua would be a, a strong target if he starts out slowly, because I don't think there's um, I don't think there's much of a chance at all of him losing his job. So there's security in that. Plus the fact that uh, we do expect that that schedule to get a little easier after the first month or so. And then Chase Edmonds would be the other player I would be targeting there, um, assuming there's a slow start. And honestly, I would I would be fine targeting him right now before the season starts, uh, because I, I, I think he's. I think he's already being undervalued, and uh, if they do get off to a slow start, that could get even more reasonable. Is it? I think we got time for one more, Matt. You got another team that you focused in on? 
I got one more. It's the Falcons. Uh, they open up with maybe two of the roughest defenses in the entire league with the Saints and Rams. Both are top 10 pass defenses. The Saints were actually top three and uh, DVOA in each of the last two seasons. And if you're not familiar with DVOA, basically it's an efficiency metric um, that we use to like compare plays against the average play. Um, so if it's, let's say you have a DVOA of 10%, it means you're doing 10% better than an average team on that particular play. Um, so they've got those two rough ones to start out. And the, the Rams, of course, are strong everywhere. They've got just added Bobby Wagner to the team that has the best defensive lineman and Aaron Doddle and Jalen Ramsey, and we know the story with the Saints. They're just basically strong top to bottom as well. So uh, with Mariota struggling early on, maybe maybe that uh, goes out to Pitts and goes out to Drake London. And again, you're probably not going to get a serious discount on those guys, but maybe if it's a competing team counting on one of those two players that they be- do become available, uh, not necessarily for a discount. Yeah, it's tough tough because the Falcons only have a few players that we really want on our roster, certainly only a few that we want in our starting lineups. Maybe we could point a little bit lower on the depth chart as well there. The Cordell, Cordero yeah. Pattersons of the world. Uh, whoever really in that backfield, Ryan, that's get, getting the touches. Maybe maybe we try to grab that if we're a contender to, to add to our lineup down the stretch. Yeah, it would be, it would be uh, Patterson. And honestly, I mean, looking – we have to assume they're going to start zero and two against the Saints and Rams. Um, that would that would be the the obvious assumption. You know, maybe maybe that rookie quarterback becomes the target uh, because yeah, they're they're yeah they're going to see they're going to want to see what they have in Desmond Ritter. I do think Mariota uh, gets you know several starts in maybe half the season, but uh, the the closer we get to Ritter playing in a game, obviously the more expensive he's going to become. I, I I saw a tweet. I wish I remember who sent it. I'd give him credit uh, about the Bears' opening schedule. They they get the the 49ers in Week One, yep. and then follow up with the Packers, who have a very improved defense as well. So if we're going to talk about players who could potentially lose a little bit of value, I know David Montgomery. He's really a he's really a black eye kind of <laughs> on a lot of dynasty managers' rosters. You know, we like to have his points in our lineup, but He's a he's a declining value, right? And I hate to say that about players, but it's the truth. And he plays on what is expected to be a poor team. In fact, if you were taking bets on on who which team would have the least amount of wins, I think I think you'd get a lot of bets for the Bears. So you're again, you're not going to get a big discount on Justin Fields in Superflex leagues. You might not even get a discount on Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet for that matter. But David Montgomery is a guy that that people don't love having on their roster already. They want to move on from already in the preseason. If he starts off slow, a contender could swoop in and grab him as an RB2 or RB3 because in the following weeks when he plays the Texans, Giants, and Vikings, things could be looking back up for Monty. Uh, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, so Montgomery, uh, I mean, there's our, we've already seen a value loss with him. Uh, actually, from... August to September, uh, looking at our ADP, and, and that, that September ADP will be on DLF very soon. Uh, Montgomery was the second biggest loser in value among the top 100. He's down 22 spots from August to September, so nearly two full rounds. 
Um, now uh, 73 overall. So we've already seen the value loss in, in, in Montgomery, with Montgomery. And you're right, Dan. If I mean, if they start out um, 0-2, which, which would not be a surprise by any means, we could see even more um, value drop for Montgomery. And Khalil Herbert continues to, to get some buzz. And, I mean, we're hearing that, you know, maybe this is going to be some basically a, a committee or, or maybe even Herbert ends up with a larger share. So this is, this is just continued bad news for David Montgomery. I've never been a David Montgomery apologist, never really had him on a lot of my teams. But it's getting to the point where I'm going to notice and, and start thinking, gosh, if I can have him as my RB3 and a contender uh, for relatively cheap, I'm, I'm going to try to pounce on that. Matt, I know you're that type of player as well. When you're a contender, you go after something that can help your roster. With that tough start at the beginning of the year, would, would Montgomery be the type of player you would go get? You know, it's it's tough because he's not a player that I like either, but we saw in that, uh, that pre, I think it was the third, maybe it was the second preseason game, he got 20, uh, he played 20 of the 22 snaps with Justin Fields. So, you know, we do have this narrative out here that Khalil Herbert might be as, you know, as close to splitting time with him, but we haven't seen yet that yet from the coaching staff, uh, you know, aside from some, some reports here and there from, from beat writers, right? So I think you're right, uh, if, especially if he's a player that you're not going to have to start every week, then he makes a really nice bye week injury fill-in kind of guy um i still i have i'm still holding out her for herbert so maybe if he does struggle maybe herbert becomes uh, a player that gets a value boost as well and he's somebody you might want to do look to do the flip with either uh, uh to sell at that point but yeah montgomery it seems like he's going to be the guy based on the coaching staff so i, I think that's fine as your as your bye week injury filler guy I mean, I think the problem with, with those types of running backs who have had success in the past, and we can lump Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs and Antonio Gibson in this as well, is in most cases their their managers are holding on to that past production and that past value. And, you know, it, it's not like you're going to get a great deal in most cases. They're still looking for a late first or they're looking for a second rounder and, and a nice prospect. I'm more likely to buy Naheem Hines or J.D. McKissick or, you know, someone like that who honestly could come close to matching the production of, of those other running backs I named at a much cheaper cost. I almost yeah, good feel point. like those guys are the same, cost the same at this point. Well, the, you, yeah, maybe because they should. Montgomery's maybe value they should, has, they has dipped so far. Last thing on David Montgomery, two uh, RB2 seasons in years one and three, running back 24 and running back 18, respectively, sandwiched around that big season in 2020 where he finished the season as the RB4 in PPR League. So, um, yeah, there's a few teams to, to monitor. Uh, Matt mentioned the Jets, Dolphins, and Falcons. I threw in the Bears because we had a minute. Um, guys, we're, we're thrilled. The season's here. We get to start setting lineups. We get to start stacking up those wins and, and try to get that dynasty championship. We're here for all of it all season long. We'll be here every week. One quick note, we'll, we'll be trying to record on Sunday night every single week this year. Although in week two, that is going to be delayed. So a little bit later schedule, we'll, we'll probably record on Tuesday night that week, but, uh, pretty much expect us in your feed on Monday morning. Uh, so you can get kept caught up on everything dynasty related from Ryan at Ryan MC 23 and Matt 
at Matt Price FF on Twitter. I'm at DMiler22. Follow the podcast at DLF Podcast. Get your questions in and keep it here for all your Dynasty content all year long. Uh, we appreciate you having you. Appreciate you listening. And we'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.